0: Do you ever feel like
1: run of green river killer podcast episode one or maybe actually the episode we'll see what happens yeah we'll see what happens are you, how are you feeling how's your wine doing it's okay how are you are you good oh, yeah. how's your stomach feel after those tater tots no the wine made it feel much better did you you want a probiotic pill it's maybe okay so we may take a probiotic break at yeah. some point down the road we'll see what happens yeah okay Okay, um, welcome to the inaugural Green River Killer podcast, the, the real Green River Killer podcast. Other shows, which we won't mention names of, have done episodes on the Green River Killer, and they were not good. They were not accurate. Nope. Clearly not researched. Um, and, and I think that we can safely say that we are the resident experts on the Green River Killer in the greater Seattle area. I agree. So. Well,
0: I, I really feel like, you, girl, you have, you are like a storehouse of GRK knowledge. I aspire to have your level of expertise in this area, but. But I have years. you really on, inspired
1: me. Years on you. I mean, I, <laughs> yeah. So, well, okay, so we, we'll get into our, our own personal histories with the Green River Killer in, in a moment. Um, so for for our listeners at home, maybe we should <laughs> maybe we should talk about who was the Green River killer. Yeah. What, what are we talking about? Give
0: a little overview because I really feel like um, a lot of people somehow have no idea about
1: the Green River killer, the most prolific serial killer in US history
0: And in my life. Yes and your
1: life. Yes, definitely.
0: Okay. so start us off.
1: Um, The Green River Killer was a serial killer in the Seattle area in mostly the early 1980s, um, especially from 1982 to 1984. Um, He almost exclusively killed prostitutes, although occasionally just runaways or other women he encountered. Um, And this was a major part of my childhood, was hearing about these murders and being very disturbed and freaked out. By these murders
0: yeah so um, what is your I, I guess like okay uh, how did how did the Green River killer begin and I guess in that same vein do you what is your first
1: memory of this? Ooh, um, I don't know if I can tell you when my first memory was. If I had to guess, I would say probably 1983 or 84. And I remember my parents watching the local news, probably Como is is a memory that's coming in, which was Channel 4, the ABC affiliate in Seattle. Um, And there being multiple stories, like over the course of, I don't know how long, but months or years of them finding bodies Um, I always thought, as a child, I thought all of them were found in the Green River. Um, Me too. Just for for our listeners, only five were. Um, but they made it seem like all the bodies were found in the river. So I had this image of young girls, I was not sure how old they were, just getting snatched off the side of the road by this guy who would kill them and then throw them in the river. I had no clue where this river was. I mean, I was only, like, three or four, and so I had very little context around this, but that's my memory. What's yours?
0: Um, so mine, so mine is very similar. Uh, I remember, shockingly enough, their coats. I was always a fashion-conscious child. Like, on on, on the news? Yeah, so I would, yeah, I would remember, I remember seeing news reports, and I think it was several years Like, it wasn't in the thick of it, like, when you saw it. So it wasn't in, like, the early 80s because I was born in 85 and, like, didn't have conscious memories until, like, much later. But something must have happened. I don't recall what it was, where they were showing that old um, stock footage of the Green River Task Force who, if you don't know, had these, like, really distinct green jackets. Yep. Not a great stretch there. No. Big (laughs) block letters. Green River Task (laughs) Task Force. Yes. Um, And so I remember the men in their jackets. And then also, like, you thought that all of the women were found on the banks of the Green River. And I was, like, scared as fuck of this river. Like, there's dead bodies just along this river. And I knew it was, like, south of where I was. But... I had no other context, and, I mean, of course, I don't remember them saying anything about how that was just one of the places, and, like, not even where most of the bodies were found. So, maybe we should start at the beginning and talk about um, how all of this started.
1: Okay. Um, Or at least where... They think it started. I will also preface this by saying, well, we should also mention that the the killer was caught in 2001 with DNA evidence. Um, And he does say that this was his first victim. I don't know if I believe that, but as far as we know, this is his first victim.
0: And I think this is something that we can get into later, but um, there are... There are... Things that the killer suggests himself that happened not even
1: in the United States that could possibly correct. have started it off. So correct. So yeah, I think yeah maybe we should spend some time yeah exploring yeah. other possible. <laughs> anyway, let's not do that now. The theories. The theories. Um. So yeah. So the first victim was um. Well. She was her body was found in the Green River, um, in Kent, Washington, which is a suburb southeast of Seattle, um, by two teenage boys, and they, I think they were on a bridge called the Meeker Street Bridge. Shit! Could you imagine that? Also, no. yes,
0: like being just a
1: twelve-year-old kid, like hanging out, looking and over like, the side of the bridge, like oh, there's oh, a dead shit. body down there. Um, and yeah, these two boys, I think, were just hanging out on the bridge, looked over the side and saw a naked dead body. <laughs> oh, God. Um, and went to the police. Police went and got this person out who they identified as being Wendy Caulfield who was a 16-year-old runaway, which is often a euphemism for a prostitute prostitute or maybe a prostitute, and she was. Um, And that I don't think was considered much of a big deal. That kind of stuff happens relatively frequently. From what I understand, it was not like a major news story that this happened. So she had been strangled And I think only was left with a pair of socks tied around her neck. Does that sound right? Or something like that? It's fucking crazy though, just PS,
0: that like a 16 year old child could be found dead, naked in a river and it's like not
1: a huge deal. I mean, that's so insane. I think part of it is I think that shit happens today and it's not that big of a deal. And also, this was 1982 and I think there was a very different idea about certain types of victims. So if victims were prostitutes, mm-hmm. if victims were poor, if victims were minorities, which she was not. Oh, she hell yeah. she was white.
0: Right. And it's um, still
1: is that way today, too, obviously. And I, But I think there was just this attitude of like, oh, once you're a prostitute, like, mm, you, you get what's coming, right. and this is part of that. Yeah. Um, so I think this is why this case is different from the Ted Bundy case. And so Ted Bundy was another serial killer, but he killed um, mostly college students and sort of um, attractive, successful, right. pretty white young women. women. Yeah,
0: who came from good backgrounds
1: and were educated. Yeah. So and those victims are important. Those victims mattered, um, and he didn't kill, as far as we know, as many people. Yet Ted Bundy is much more famous, partially because of him and his personality, but I think also partially because of the victims yeah. that he chose. Totally. So, yeah. Okay, so Wendy Caulfield, this
0: 16-year-old, found naked in the river with two
1: boys. Um, And then what? Then I think it was three weeks later. Um, This is a a good story, actually, or an interesting story. So there was a slaughterhouse, which was um, upriver? Up River, I think, from where Wendy Caulfield had been found. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not there anymore. But this was back in the day when if a slaughterhouse would be on the banks of Ugh. a kind of major river and would Jesus. just dump all of its waste into Ugh. the river. So that's how polluted the Green River slash Duwamish River used to be. And it's still pretty polluted, but I don't think that kind of stuff happens anymore. Like no. I don't think there's just, like, blood and animal guts, oh, like, God. going untreated into the river. Imagine that smelled. Oh, disgusting. disgusting. Um, so anyway, a guy who was working at the slaughterhouse was out on a break and saw something in the river. And so he goes out to see what it is, and it's the body of a woman naked, once again. And he calls the cops, the cops come down, um, and as far as I know, do not connect it with the first murder. Wait, and she's in the river? Yeah, she's in the water. She'd been, like, hung up on some, like, branches and stuff, so, yeah. Um, and, yeah, I don't think they connected it to Wendy Caulfield, and- her name, so this second victim's name was Deborah Bonner, Dub Bonner, Dub which is a Bonner. really unfortunate nickname. <laughs> um, and she was 22. She was white. She was uh, an experienced prostitute, I think, by right. this point, had been arrested many times. Yes. Um, and in the book, The Search for the Green River Killer, which I would recommend as my favorite, would you recommend that as your favorite? It's my second favorite. Oh, what's your favorite now? Okay, I love, we'll get into this later, but
0: I love the King County Journal. Ooh, that one's good too. Because it gives so many details
1: that didn't that the other books didn't give. I, I felt. agree. I don't know if. Well, maybe that actually would be better for a first-time reader. It's a little, it's definitely more succinct. The Search for the Green River Killer has way too much cop politics stuff. I get very bored with that. But it does have these weird little vignettes that are very evocative and this is a good one like the whole like dub bonner story is really spooky it's so
0: spooky horrifying we'll talk more about it when we get into the victims but like she her whole story really fucked me up for multiple reasons
1: yeah i think she was yeah she's from tacoma and just very sad kind of impoverished background and you know one of the books has like a photograph of the things that were pulled out of her purse Oh, God. They have, like, a photograph of her dress, which maybe is what you're remembering. There's, like, they're holding it up. It's a it's a dress that they found in the river. Oh, that's so depressing. And then they had dumped out, like, everything they found in her purse. And it's stuff like family photographs and, like, a Bible. Like, it's really Holy shit. shit. It's okay, sad. that's so depressing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my fucking God. Um... Yes, so yeah, she was victim number two. Um, And I I, I don't think they were connected at that point. There had been some amount of time between victim one and victim two. Was she also naked? I think so. And found strangled. Yes. Yet they didn't put those two together. Not... Not as far as I know. That's my memory, is that they weren't necessarily seeing a pattern yet at this point. Okay. Despite the fact, I will point out, that Ted Bundy at this point in time was, like, six years earlier. Yeah. I mean, really recent in the past. Right. That they'd had another major serial killer. So and they, they should still... be like,
0: hi, there's... this.
1: Clearly, we should have learned something, but... But I think Dub Bonner and Wendy Caulfield were found in different jurisdictions. Like, I feel like oh. Wendy Caulfield was Kent, and I feel like Dub Bonner was... Maybe Will, I'm actually not sure. Oh, shit. But I don't feel like they were in the same jurisdiction, so was it wasn't the okay, same cops so it was investigating. Okay, that makes sense. Okay. All right. Okay, so we've got Wendy and Dub. And then we have the big three victims the that were found, found together. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is when they realized that they were dealing with a serial killer. And um, this is fucking crazy. This story is crazy th- This is me. insane. Um. So this is also a, a place, a story that the search for the Green River Killer describes really well. So well. So I, oh wait, no, I don't remember this guy's name. Maybe they don't publicize this guy's name. But anyway, there's a guy who is going down the Green River on a raft looking for stuff on the bottom of the river, I guess. Which,
0: P.S. also, if you think about all the shit that they were dumping in there, like,
1: grossest trip ever. Already. Yet. Yet. <laughs> I would pay money to take a boat down the Green River, like, into the Duwamish. Like, I think that
0: would be absolutely fascinating. Um, let's just go do it for free with a canoe. Okay.
1: Okay. Ivan and I talk about it all the time, so maybe. Hell yeah. Let's get Paul to go. We can No, do, Paul like, can't go. Why? Because I'm divorcing him. Oh, okay. Anyway. All okay. right, so stay <laughs> tuned for details of the divorce. Um <laughs> Anyway, so this guy's going down the river in his raft and, you know, and they even describe like the stuff he finds on the bottom of the river, like pioneer sort of memorabilia down there, which is kind of cool. That's really cool, actually. Um, And he gets to a, a certain point pretty close to where the other bodies had been found, although he didn't know that. And he looks down in the water and he sees what he thinks is a mannequin under the water. And then he realizes that there's two of them. And then he realizes that they're not mannequins. They're actually oh dead bodies. God. Oh, my God. There's no
0: unseeing that. No. Like, a mannequin in the water is freaky
1: enough. Mm-hmm. But then when you realize, oh, God, that's actually was once a, human. a dead body. Oh, my God. Um, Jesus. Side note. Have you seen the movie Night of the Hunter? No. You need to. <gasps> Audience, you need to see it as well. It oh came out God. in the 50s. And it's a, it very much reminds me of this, because it takes place um, on the Ohio River. Um, the Ohio River is very spooky. Mm-hmm. And it's about a preacher who comes to a widow's house and basically coerces her into marrying him, murders her, and then chases her children along the Ohio River. But there's oh this God. scene where he he slits her throat and puts her in a car at the bottom of the river. And there's a picture of her sitting in the car. Oh, hell no. It's this, It was oh my God. made in the 50s, and it's so scary. Man,
0: the 50s are, you know, the 50s, though. What the fuck? Like, all their cartoons had skeletons in them. Like, what?
1: It was a dark time. I guess that was probably before the 50s, but still. So, oh, my God. Very Green River. Anyway, so, dude is freaked out, gets off the side of the river. Then, because this was 1982, there's no cell phones, and he did, like, his wife was picking him up wherever he was going to get out. Yeah,
0: down the river. Down the river. So he right. had to, like, just wait until <laughs>
1: somebody came along, which somebody did, and he was like, oh, hey, there's dead bodies in the water. Like, will you go find the cops? And it's, like, a guy and his daughter or something. Yeah. Like, on bikes. So they, like, tootle off down the road to get the police. <laughs> like, it's so quaint, you know? <laughs>
0: Like, what the fuck is this? Like, pioneering times or something? Like, it's not pretty much
1: Jesus. So, the cops show up eventually, including um, the illustrious Dave Reichert, who I think also had been at the Dub Bonner uh body recovery scene as well. Yeah, we'll talk about Dave Reichert a lot. Uh, oh boy, will we talk about Dave Reichert? Yeah, um, so. They, they the King County whatever sheriff's department shows up and they, you know, they're going to deal with these two bodies in the river. And Dave Riker is standing on the shore and trips over a third body. So they at that point are like, okay, oh, holy shit. shit. Yeah. Like we're dealing with a massive situation here. Right. Um Yeah, do you wanna talk about who the people in the river were? So um
0: the first Okay, the first one of the bodies that they found was Cookie Hines. Yeah, Cynthia. Cynthia Cookie Cookie Hines. Hines. Um, And then, who was the other one? It was...
1: um, Marsha Chapman.
0: I always get her mixed up with Shonda Summers. That's awful.
1: I should have more respect. It's okay, but but audience, please look at the pictures of all the victims so you can visualize these people. Yes, visualize kind of see who these these people are. So, um...
0: Cookie Hines was also. Was she was fifteen years old?
1: Oh, I think she was like seventeen. I think. Was she? I think Opal was sixteen and Cookie was seventeen. Oh, I thought
0: they were both fifteen year olds.
1: I don't. Okay. Think, I don't think they were quite that young.
0: Okay, and then
1: Marsha Chapman was like twenty two, right? No, she was like thirty. What? Yeah. So Marsha Chapman was, I think, the oldest of his victims. No. Yeah. No,
0: she wasn't. Who? In two, in later on. Oh, 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 yeah. you're right, you're
1: right. Okay, of the first. Of the original. Of the original. Of the old, victims. Yes. she was the she oldest. She was the oldest. Really? She looked so young. She did, and she was really short. Apparently, her nickname was Tiny, Ooh. and she had three kids.
0: <gasps> uh, it was
1: horrible. And they actually talk about this in the book, that she, um, she was a prostitute, she didn't have a pimp, and so she had been beaten up and raped, like, with a john, not long before she was killed. <sighs> And I'm just, uh, if you, there's, there's a really good documentary that we will also link on a future or on a website, if we ever get this on a website. Um, and they interview, um, Faye Brooks, who was the sex crimes detective, I believe, for King County. Yes. And she takes whoever was filming the documentary to the apartment of Marsha Chapman. Oh God. So the building is still there and it's right off Pack Highway. Was it sad? Yeah, it's like a normal kind of slightly run-down apartment building. But it was just like this woman still remembers, like having to go there with the kids who were just like... They didn't know where the mom... I mean, the, this woman was missing for weeks before they found her. Like, She's not the mom of the basketball player, is she? No. Okay. Do kidding. you know we're, who the mom I is? I do. We're getting ahead of ourselves, though. Okay, sorry.
0: Okay. Um. So then the... So those two were in the water... And um, they also found that they had triangle shaped rocks shoved into their vaginas. Uh-huh. And there in the books it kind of um, it kind of like ruminates on this like what it could be. And the theory that they posed um, was that maybe this person was a hunter because like they, that was like a thing that hunters do to like mm. weigh their weigh the bodies. Yeah, down or and something. so like they he, they were thinking that oh maybe they put um, they he put the rocks in their vaginas to like weigh them down and like hmm. keep them there. Um, I which makes I no have, sense because the rocks are not they're not that big, right? And I have a totally different. I mean, there's, I think there's, like, another theory that, obviously, yeah. we can... We'll get well, into. We'll, yeah. No, we'll, the, get, we'll get into. Okay. Because, yeah, there's there's some other things going on here. But, anyway. um, And then the other body, the one that Dave Reichert uh, tripped over on his way down to the banks, was Opal Mills. And she was a 16-year-old. Mm-hmm. Um, and the crazy thing about Opal, and one of the things that, like, really stands out to me, is that she and Cookie... Cookie Hines, um, were they had last been okay, the last anyone heard of them, right? Was at from Angle Lake Park. So this is this um park on the banks of what is it, the what is
1: that? It's not Lake Washington, is it? No, no, no. It's it's right off 99. It's right by my house, Wait. actually. Oh my god. It's Angle Lake. fucking Angle Lake. Yeah.
0: Oh my god. <laughs>
1: it's so it's park? like one ninety 190- Second-ish. in Des Moines okay
0: which is a, a city that's north of Kent um on its own lake angle Lake they they um, had been they had made a call from a pay from, yeah. from Angle Lake and they were together and there was people thought they they weren't really sure but people thought that opal and Cookie had done a painting job together mm-hmm. they had gone on like a painting job um but turns out like, Actually, probably they were um, like, abducted by the killer. Although it doesn't right. seem
1: like at the same time. Yeah. That's because, what's really strange. Yeah. And that's the weird thing is that Opal had been heard from after that at yeah. that point. So these two girls who were together and were friends were both abducted and killed by the same person, but not at the same time. Right. So and then when, dumped in the same place. In the same place. So they're not still not sure, I don't think at least, what happened there. But yeah. It's that's, really weird. Yeah, so that's the story there. So at this point, now there's five women, all strangled, all in the Green River. At this point, I think they were aware that, like, yes, they they have a serial killer on their hands. Um, and they totally blew it because <laughs> they, they alerted the press. And had they not done that and put the river under surveillance, they probably would have caught the killer. Okay, but they didn't also,
0: like, rewind... They should have fucking put the river, I mean, and I guess, okay, obviously if they're not connecting the two, but if they had put the river under surveillance after the discovery of Wendy Caulfield's body and Dub Bonner's body, mm-hmm. those other bodies had been dumped within like, it was like three days afterwards, so it was yeah. within that three day period, and they would have caught the killer at that point if yes. they had like just been like, hmm... Weird well, that there's two bodies that have shown up here. And
1: I believe that, um, oh, God, Wayne Williams, the uh, Atlanta child killer. Yes. They had caught him by putting the whatever, I don't remember the name of the river, but the river in Atlanta yeah. under surveillance. Oh God. So this was a year before, and I don't know. I mean, I think it was just because they didn't realize they were dealing with a serial killer. Right. But at this point, they really knew they were dealing with a serial right. killer, and they still didn't put it under surveillance. Yes. And they alerted the press. Yes. So bottom line... The killer never, ever put another bunny in the river. Right. That, that was it. Those five were all... Because he didn't... Yep. He wasn't that stupid. And he didn't, you know, he knew enough to not get caught. So that right. never happened again. So he was called the Green River Killer because of those first five victims. Although, I will say that there was actually... I think his second victim was not put in the river either. But we will get to her later. Ooh. Um, but the first five that people knew about were all were all in the... River. Right. So that is why he's called the Green River Killer. That's when they discovered we were dealing with a serial killer. In and Seattle. then what happened after
0: that? So ha- Like, was it? I mean, were these other murders immediately tied to them? Like, what happened?
1: No. Um. And that's probably the creepiest part, I think, of the Green River Killer because he was so prolific and he killed. I mean, he was convicted of forty-eight murders, but we know it was way more than way that. Way more. Um, but so the vast majority of the victims were found after they were decomposed. And so in some cases, years after they were killed. So after this period of all of the victims in the river, which were found pretty soon after they died, there was this long period of time where I think they found a couple more victims, but for the most part, they didn't. So women were still being killed really frequently during this whole time period, but they were not finding the bodies. And so there was at least a year where there was a very active serial killer happening and the cops did not know that. And so that's very spooky. And so therefore the prostitutes also did not know it, that there was a serial killer Uh. out there. So there was just hundreds of prostitutes out on uh, Highway 99 and no cops were telling them to be careful. And I I don't know what they were thinking amongst themselves when people would go missing. I don't... From what I've read, it was common for prostitutes to just move around, and right. so maybe just nobody thought anything of it. I don't know.
0: I remember reading in one of the books that it, it talked about that um, there would be almost like this circuit that yeah people would go on that that connected like Seattle and Portland, Portland, and then like Las Vegas or something. It was like a weird and, like other... Alaska. Like yeah, it was, yeah, a, it was <laughs> a weird circuit. But, it, so, so it wasn't that shocking then for people, people to, to just no. go away Mm-mm. without any notice.
1: Yeah, so that was the beginning of what became, yeah, the Green River Killer um, rampage for the next at least two years. Um, so, like, what was your impression
0: of... Because, okay, like, one of the things that we talked about a lot when we discussed the books were, was, like, the way that it made you feel. And that, I think, was the thing that stuck out to me most about the Carlton Smith book uh-huh. and Thomas Guillen book, um, The Search for the Green River Killer, was that it captured just the, like, bleak, just depressing, like, gnawing, gray feeling that I imagine... This place felt like in the early 80s.
1: I agree. So, for listeners who are not from the Seattle area, um, these murders all took place around the SeaTac Airport, which is south of Seattle. And almost all of the prostitutes were picked up along Highway 99, which was the old highway before I 5 that connected Seattle with Tacoma. Um, oh, it was, like, it connected every Yeah, we went down to, like yeah. L.A., probably. Right, it yeah. Was, it was an old, old highway. Mm-hmm. Um, and as a kid, I grew up in, in the city of Seattle proper, and I never came down to South King County unless it was go to the airport. And oh, even yeah. then, you would take the freeway directly to the airport. Like, yeah. I, very, I don't ever remember driving around 99. Um, as a kid... But my impression of it was very bad. I mean, just uh, poverty, sort of, you know, low-rent motels, you know, stuff you see around the airport, used, or not used car lots, but car rental lots. Yeah. Very just, nothing charming, nothing old, just a very transient, depressing environment.
0: A really bleak place. And I mean, like... I think that it's weird saying this now because I live in this area, (laughs) (laughs) kind of, (laughs) of, kind of, of, yeah. I'm a little bit north, but like, but I definitely live, you definitely live in the smack dab, but um, you know, the thing that like when I was younger, um, I would always like okay, anything south of Seattle has a different feeling. Oh, very much. It's and it's really weird. Like I don't, I never knew how to explain it. But it was, like, something that was widely acknowledged, at least in my... I mean, I didn't really talk about it with anyone other than my family. But, like, (laughs) Bean, go chill! Um, But, you know, it it definitely had a separate feeling. Like, the South End was a completely different animal than Seattle. And so, um, I think that even... It's like... It's like which one, which came first, the chicken or the egg? Like, it, did it. Is it was it bleak and awful and horrible because there's something going on with the energy here, or is it created
1: by the circumstances? Mm. There's a lot of stuff happening in the South End that I think caused the vibe to be bad but i don't i don't i don't know if i feel like it's innately a negative place i think the airport is not good mm-hmm. i mean i think the airport does not do anything good for the vibe mm-hmm. um, i think i mean i5 cuts through it that's not good i mean and the river i think and it's not a bad thing but i think the river rivers in general i think create a lot of energy yeah. in places and so i think there is something sort of interesting even if you go before all the industry was built, I think the energy here was probably interesting because of the river.
0: Right. Like I remember you telling me about um like the like in Tukwila, which is just south of Seattle, um, which we both
1: worked at the <laughs> high school there. So we we're, we're, we're yeah we know Tukwila we're familiar.
0: Um, but that that was a place. A power. Like a, yeah, it was like this powerful place. And um, what was the story with, like,
1: those hills? Oh, God. Down in Tukwila. So right by... It's right where the Green River turns into the Duwamish River. Yeah. And it's the same river, but the name changes right. in Tukwila. And, and there, the, the that river also has two other names, too, right? Does it? Yeah. It's also the White River. No, no, no. The White River's different.
0: No, I thought it was. No, no, Okay, no.
1: then it's the Black River. No, okay. Oh, God. That's okay, where we're getting it, on a tangent here. It <laughs> used to be... Okay, the White River still exists. The White River's in Auburn. Yeah. The Black River no longer exists, but used to. So it used to be that the Black, the White, and the Green River all converged for Fort Dent. Ah, that's what it is. That's what it was. You know, I think the Green River actually starts at Mount St Helens.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say it starts like
1: in the mountains. Yeah, I thought I, it started as the Black River
0: though, and went into. I don't think so. The Green, and then became the. I mean, it's originally the Duwamish,
1: obviously, but. No, I don't. Th- I think those are three separate rivers, and okay. I think the Black is gone. <gasps> the Black got crazy. I don't know, covered up or dried up or I. Actually, what a fucking cool name, the Black I know, River. That's good stuff. So goth. Um. So yeah. So at this place, we're actually right where these three r- rivers converged. There are these two hills. Um. I don't know the name of one of them. The other one's Poverty Hill. Yeah. And People live on Poverty Hill. The um. one next to it, nobody lives on. But the the one that nobody lives on was a major power spot for I think the Duwamish tribe. Didn't or, they think that like that's seriously where like. Like, people came out of that yes. fucking hill. And if you go there, so it's... The energy is, is nuts. It's palpable. Like, you can f- yeah. feel it. So there's that that's, you know, older But that's more stuff. like... That's, like, positive, though, right? Like, it yeah. was like a...
0: Yeah. Go down there and see how you feel. Well, but I mean, right. I mean, no, I totally... I feel it now. Like, it's definitely not... It doesn't have, like, a super great vibe. But, like... Like, I'm talking, like, with Native American lore, right? I mean, like, wasn't it a place of, like,
1: like, it was, like, a place of creation, right? Maybe. I Maybe. don't I don't know if I know enough. I mean, yes, I think so, but I'm not sure if it was necessarily positive yeah. or negative. I, I don't know enough about okay. it. I'm not sure anyone does. Okay. Um, but, I, I mean, I suppose now is as good a time as any to get into the history of the area. So, obviously, white people showed up. Um, and then there were... <laughs> as they do. As they do. Um, and they there were farms. So the area where the airport is now was called the High Line. Because it's this ridge in between the, right. the river valley and then where it slopes down into Pigeon Sound. So yeah. that's called the Highline. And there were farms up there. And, I mean, other stuff. I mean, right. whatever human activity was going on. But rural. And in the... 40s, yeah, the 40s, they decided to build an airport up there because it was high. So, mm-hmm. Boeing Field was not gonna work for the amount of air traffic that they were planning Seattle to get at some point because right. Boeing is, like in Seattle, like right? It, it's crazy that there's even an airport there. It's right by my house, it's right by Morgan's house. Yeah. Um, so they decided to build this airport. On higher ground south of the city. So they built this airport, which I'm sure didn't get a lot of traffic mm. in the beginning, but they built it right next to Highway 99, which was at that time the only highway right that connected any big cities. And as this airport grew, which it did, the highway changed to kind of deal with all of these people that were now coming in all the time. So all kinds of, you know, drive-ins, and, or not drive-ins, but like... Fast food restaurants, right? Whatever the equivalent was back and then, and motels. motels, which were a new thing, right? And just all kinds of stuff that you would have with tourists and travelers mm-hmm. and things like that, which was okay, I guess, is my impression that this wasn't a bad thing, really, right? It's, well it was blue collar, but yeah. it also seemed, you know, kind of pleasant, like sort right. of pleasantly working class.
0: It's like a like it had like a very like neighborhood feel, yeah.
1: And they had, like, you know, the it businesses would yeah. buy advertisements in the yearbooks. And yeah. they seemed sort of like cute mom-and-pop places. Right. So I don't have a bad sense of the area in that time period. right? But like any, like all the rest of the country, the 70s brought dark times to yeah. Seattle, I think. And there, there was a sort of downward spiral in the city in general, but I think especially down by the airport. Well, and also wasn't it, I mean... Wasn't it
0: the like bringing in I five as well? I mean, didn't that kind
1: of just fuck everything up down here? So I five was built in sixty five. Oh, it's earlier than that. Was it? Oh yeah, I think it's I like 50... it was no, 60? I think it's like fifty seven. Shit. Because I think I five. I feel like our chunk of I five in Seattle is the oldest in the country. Girl, you know what's fucking crazy? Mm. Uh, you know. Okay,
0: so I have, like, a wall over there that separates my house from my asshole neighbor's house, you know? <laughs> and the fucking chunks of concrete out there are from the original Highway 99. The guy that built this house, they were busting it up to, like, build, rebuild Highway 99. Yeah. Dude. Those are... That's fucking uh, OG Highway 99. That's cool. Isn't that weird?
1: take like, photograph of it. I know. Put it on our website. Hell yeah. Um, no, but I think I... We should look it up, but it's 50s, I think... I don't know, 57, 58 around okay. there. But yeah, once I 5 was built, people were not taking 99 as much anymore because they didn't have to. Right. They to take I 5, which was much faster. Um, so yeah, so this downward trend started, and, you know, there was more poverty. The businesses started failing. It became more seedy. Like it was more like strip clubs, bars. Yeah. Um, the motels had a different kind of business. The, yeah, and prostitution, which had used to be in downtown Seattle, I think probably almost exclusively, right. moved down to South King County to mm-hmm. deal with the airport traffic. I right. mean, I, I think that what was happening is men who were coming in from out of town would go see prostitutes, and I imagine there wasn't as much enforcement down there, so... Apparently, by the early 80s, there was just an insane amount of prostitutes down in South King County. I mean, there was just like, from what I've read, crowds of them on both sides of wow. the street, like sitting on cars when they were parked. Holy shit. Like,
0: So wait, is this like pack highway days? Yeah. Okay, so 99 ended up having getting a name change, right, for like a certain portion of the highway,
1: and they started calling it Pacific Highway, I feel like that may have always been its name. Was it? Okay. And then it became like the Pack Highway. Yeah. Which is kind of what everybody called it.
0: Right. And the Pack Highway ended up becoming like synonymous with.
1: Prostitution. That kind of prostitution that kind of like seen yeah. yeah. So at the period of time when the Green River Killer was deciding to go after prostitutes, there were hundreds of prostitutes to choose from Damn. on any given day, which I've never seen anything like that. I mean, occasionally I will see prostitutes still on oh, 99, yeah. but it's not that common. It'll be, like, a few. Or up on Aurora, you used to see prostitutes sometimes, which, it, which is Highway 99, but just the north end of it. Um, you go out on a Friday night. Do you see a lot? never oh, have. Paul, coming home from Shoreline. Oh, it, it's Aurora is where it is right. now. Yeah, right. Okay, so They it's start not, And they start early, too. They don't even wait till it's dark. Okay, well, there you go. I guess there's still a, a, a course of a prostitution yeah, thing in definitely. Seattle. Um, but I think what was spooky about it back then is that it was mostly younger girls. And they're just seeing, I don't know, my impression of the 60s, 70s, and 80s is that there was a lot of major social dysfunction yeah. that was allowing this many... Teenage, I mean, really, like teenagers, teenagers like 15 year olds, young girls to, to run away from home and to end up being prostitutes, which seriously, no, pretty much nobody ever wants to do. No. So, these are bad circumstances that these right. people were in. And if you will get into this, but if you learn about the family lives of almost all of these girls, they were horrible, totally horrible. Oh my god, horrible, so horrible, which is why they were there. And right. so, I mean, I feel like there was a sort of societal breakdown that we're not acknowledging in this time period. Right, That things can't be as bad now because I'm, I don't see that kind of stuff happening. Yeah. So I, I there must be more safety nets in place or something to right. keep this, that kind of thing from happening. Right. Um, so anyway, there's a, a documentary. Oh God, now I can't think of the name of it. Um, shoot. Like street, street, I'll look it up. We'll edit it back in. Um, but it was filmed in Seattle in 86, I think. Oh, shit. And it's all of these teenagers who have run away from home. And it's filmed in downtown Seattle. And oh, I told you about God. this. And one of the Green River Killer victims is in it.
0: <gasps> That's right. I can't... It was also
1: a book. They also took- Do you know which one it was? Which mm-hmm. which? Victim? Yeah, it was- um... She was one of the ones who was identified later. And she was murdered later, too. Oh, shit. Um, Bobby Roberta Hayes. Roberta Hayes. Oh, Bobby shit. Hayes, yep. And Whoa. she's in it for like two minutes. She does say something, but anyway, so if you want some sense of what Seattle was like back then, which is very different than how it is now. It kind of captures Captures the, the vibe. feel completely and it's really bleak. Oh god. So anyway, um, yeah, darkness, brain, um, prostitution <laughs> and murder. Yeah. Seattle in the early nineteen eighties is kinda Holy shit. Yeah. I think we should end it there. Damn. What, do you, what do you think? Is there more you want to say? Um. Oh. Wait. oh What'd
0: you find out about I five? Hey. What? Oh, it's um. So right here. So nineteen forty seven, and it's nineteen fifty six to present. Fifty so so six no, is when they started yes, building it. I think. Yeah. Yeah. So that yeah, totally. Totally before 65. Mm-hmm. 65 is when South Center came in. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm thinking. Because of. of my five. Right. Yeah. To accommodate all that shit. Mm-hmm. Um what why, like what's so interesting about this to you? Like why why what draws you to this?
1: Um there is something dark about Seattle fundamentally. Yeah. I mean, we do have a lot of we do have a lot of serial killers here. We have a lot of murders. we have a lot of suicides. It's a very spiritually dark city, I think. Yeah. And do you think it's all the rain?
0: I was pissed don't when know. people always say that. Like what the fuck? I fucking love the rain. Although we do know people who use those
1: seasonal affective disorder. Layups, I totally know. Which are people who really are silly. Yeah, I know. I mean, <laughs> Rain doesn't help. I mean, I feel like England has a similar vibe and it's right? there's yeah. gotta be the weather component yeah. somehow. I mean, I think it does affect people, but I think it's more than that. Yeah. I don't know what it is. Um, but this was sort of my first encounter with that idea as a little kid. And he sort of personifies that for me. It's like, yes, that is Seattle at least of a certain era. Yeah. Or the dark side of Seattle of a certain era. Because Seattle in the 80s was Different. I mean, if you don't even want to say it was dark, it was very, very, very different. Right. And I, and he's sort of the dark side of that. There was a good side to it, too. I mean, Seattle in the 80s was kind of cool because it yeah. was quiet and kind of dead um, in a nice way. I don't mean that in a bad way. Um, like, downtown was totally empty. And so it was sort of peaceful, which was nice. Um, but this was, like, the underbelly of that. Yeah. And I don't know. I think there's something very interesting about that. And I think he's sort of forgotten as a... I don't know how remembered serial killers should be, but if we're going to talk about them, you might as well talk about the one that killed the most people. And he gets forgotten. And I think that's kind of when we start talking about who he is, you'll see why. There's something about him that's sort of forgettable. And that's spooky as well. It's like all of these people get killed and everyone's like, oh, what? Huh? That happened? And I really feel like that's why he was so successful, too. It's like he does have that forgettable quality. Yeah. And the victims have that forgettable quality because right. we don't want to deal with them right. as a society because they make us really uncomfortable. And right. so everything about it is like, oh, let's not think about that. So it's just like everything is just kind of pushed pushed under the rug. Yeah. Why, do you, why do you think? God. Why is it interesting for you?
0: Um, well, I think... Uh, I think what has resonated most with me is that there's something... It's almost like... You know, talking about, like, the way things feel, right, like, it's almost like when um, these horrible traumatic events happen, it's like it, like, haunts a place, Mm -hmm. you know, it makes a place haunted, and that place is, like, my backyard. I mean, like, this is the place that we live Mm -hmm. and exist, and, um, you know, like, we can just, and I actually, I probably shouldn't admit this, but frequently do drive past the murderer's house where he killed all these people mm-hmm. and i mean it's like a, it's like a 10 minute drive from my house and oh it's um, like a 5 minute drive i know from, from my your house, house oh, yeah, yeah you just go down a road hard, um right, yeah. <laughs> and um you know uh there's a one of the dump sites which, which we'll talk about later obviously um is a place that i mean it was like a place that i would just drive by on my way home like not even thinking that it was anything and um found out that another place where one of the victims was found is is literally like within walking distance of my house and I think all of those things combined it's like to have something that horrifying and significant in um in like history just happening like so close is really interesting and horrifying and um it's just like super intriguing to me It's weird. Like, it's so weird that
1: all this shit happened, like, right by us, you Mm -hmm. know? And this is just the one layer of history we know about. Right. There there was hundreds of years before that that we know nothing about. Or very little about. Right. But I feel like some fucked up shit's happened here. Oh,
0: super fucked up shit. I mean, like, before even, like, anything was, like, even settled. I mean, like, I feel like this place... I, I really do. I, I stick with it. Like, I feel like this place has... Well, there's something going on here.
1: Wh- what we could do, instead of just doing true crime in general, because oh, everybody does that, is do Seattle. Yeah. I mean, because there's a lot to talk about here. Yeah. I, I think. That's I mean, true. Ted Bundy, first of all. But, I mean, you can go more obscure oh, than that. Ted Bundy. The, oh, I, mean, yeah. I think Ted Bundy's worth talking about. But, I mean... <laughs> There's, like, the WAMI massacre. There was, oh, like, so many that movies. mass killing on Capitol Hill at that party. We could yeah. talk about that. I mean, there's a lot to talk what about. What
0: was that one guy's name, Richard Young? I don't remember. Um. The, is it the smiley face killer? I don't know. He, so, yeah, I mean, there's, there's so many. And, like, fucking Tacoma. Oh, like, Jesus.
1: Seriously, Tacoma could have its own thing, too. There was the... Axe serial killer on Queen Anne Hill. Did you ever Jesus hear about that? Yes. Yep There. I mean. That's Holy shit! That's so
0: fucked up. Yeah. Used your own axe. That's just like out on your porch to murder
1: you. Ugh. So anyway, future episodes. Maybe we have them planned. <gasps> All right. I think we got it. I think we got it. Spooky sign, Seattle. Sign off. <laughs> Ooh, spooky Seattle. Spooky Lankets. Seattle. Ooh. Okay. Thanks for listening. <laughs> <Okay>. Oh god. <laughs> Paul said, "That's what you're you supposed to, to do." You are in the you're in the browser. Oh, oops. <laughs>
0: that it's st- what the fuck? He's a liar.